the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My way is the right way. There's no other way around it. That is a spirit of dogmatism. And that is what the Apostle Paul starts off 1 Timothy with. A look at this spirit of dogmatism. Join us for Abounding Grace. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. Well, today we begin a series in 1 Timothy. It's an amazing little letter that Timothy writes to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. We begin today in the first seven verses as we take a look at this spirit of dogmatism that the Apostle Paul talks about. Here's our teacher and pastor, Pastor Carey, and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. First Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, who was much older at this time in his life, to a young minister of the gospel, Timothy. Just like First and Second Thessalonians were probably the first two books of the New Testament, First and Second Timothy and Titus were probably the last. In fact, they were written just a handful of years before Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, sometime in the late 60s. In fact, 2 Timothy was written probably just a few months before Paul's martyrdom. He wrote Timothy these letters and then Titus to teach us how to organize the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and how to be faithful ministers of the gospel. Now, before we begin to look at the text today, we need to know who this young Timothy was. So let's introduce Timothy to ourselves. I've gathered a few scripture references from the New Testament, so get your Bibles ready because he is mentioned in various places in the New Testament, and he was a very important minister in the apostolic church. Go to Acts 16 verses 1 through 3 first, because there we see the entrance of Timothy on the stage of church history. Acts 16 verses 1 through 3. And he, that is Paul, came also to Derbe and Lystra, which is in northern Greece, Macedonia. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. But they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Timothy obviously was the fruit of a mixed marriage, a religiously mixed marriage. His mother was a believing Jewish woman. The father was an unbelieving non-Jewish man. 
Timothy had a reputation in that whole area, and Paul did an unusual thing. He had him circumcised. Not because he believed that was still the sign of the covenant, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians, we must be all things to all men that we might thereby save some. That is, a Jew to the Jews, etc. He knew Timothy was going to be ministering to the Jews, so to remove one cause of dissension, he had Timothy circumcised out of pragmatism, definitely not for religious motives. Now, I love this next verse. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, and he's talking to Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. So Timothy is a third-generation Christian. His grandmother was a Christian, influence in his life, a faithful believer. And his mother was a faithful believer and a great influence upon his life as well. So let's now look at his childhood. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> Notice what it says about his childhood under the influence of these two great women, even though his daddy was an unbeliever. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, Timothy, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So you see in that particular passage that he grew up in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord. He was brought up in the discipline of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the gospel of Christ, and loved the word of God from a very young age, it says here. In fact, in Greek, childhood is the word for newborn. So from his earliest days, he loved the Lord. And that's something that's very important to remember. Many, many Christians believe. That you should view, view your, Christian, your children as lost until they have had some conversion experience and signs of grace. Beloved, that is not a biblical idea for Christian families. The idea that says you must view your children as non-believers until they have a dramatic conversion experience and can give you a particular day and month and year of their conversion didn't start until the 1740s. And ever since that time, the church has been going downhill. So here you have an example of someone who loved Christ. He loved Christ's word from the time he was nursing at his mother's breast. He didn't have a time he could say, well, I became a Christian at such and such an age. He had been a Christian from his mother's womb. Now, notice his relationship to Paul. Turn to Philippians 2, verses 19 through 22. Philippians 2, verses 19 through 22. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. 
for I have no one else of kindred spirit besides Timothy who will generally be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his, Timothy's, proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. So you see this high regard that Paul had for Timothy. One other thing we need to know about him is, and that is that he was a minister of the gospel. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14, it says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now, you saw this just recently with our elders. And all the way back to the apostolic church in the book of Acts, when an elder or a deacon or a minister is ordained in the office, the other elders and ministers gather around him and lay their hands on him and pray for him, ordaining him to that particular office. The hands of those men represent the hands of God, separating him to the office of elder or deacon or minister. So here we see Timothy was an ordained minister of the gospel for whom Paul had the highest regard. Now let's look at these seven verses because they are a great introduction to the whole book. And I would uh, encourage you to go home tonight and, and read this whole book. This is, in fact, a different, a different than any book that we've studied so far because it is a strongly critical of men in the church who do not teach and preach the pure gospel of Christ. And it is an exciting book to read. In the first verse, Paul introduces himself, which is pretty interesting since Timothy already knew Paul and Paul had spent time with Timothy. In fact, they were pretty close friends at this point. And Paul is explaining his authority as if Timothy didn't already know of his authority, which he most certainly did know. Notice what Paul says about himself. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. Now, now Timothy knew all of that. They, they were close friends. Paul had probably been with him in Ephesus, in Ephesus before. So why is Paul saying all these things to establish his authority? Well, there are many reasons, but one reason is he knew that Timothy was going to have to do a lot of criticizing there at Ephesus. And he was going to ruffle a lot of feathers. He was going to get a lot of people upset. And people are going to say to Timothy, Timothy, Paul wouldn't do that if he was here. Paul was more loving than you are. You're just a hypercritical, fundamentalist bigot, always trying to find things in people to criticize. And Paul says here is how you undercut all of that. I am an apostle of Christ, and I am writing these words to you, and you are simply obeying words that I have written to you. Now, what was an apostle? Well, there's a broad sense and there is a narrow sense of an apostle. There is a broad sense in which those who were church planters and assistants to the apostle were called apostles with a small a. 
But there is a narrow sense in which there were only 13 apostles, including Paul, with a capital A. And an apostle was someone chosen directly by Jesus Christ to work with him. And he had to be someone who saw the resurrected Christ with his own eyes. So Paul is saying, Christ himself chose me to be his mouthpiece, his proxy. So that when I speak, it is Christ speaking through me. And when I preach, it is Christ preaching through me. And when you accept my word, says Paul, you are accepting the words of Christ. And when you reject my words, you're rejecting Christ's words. Because he has appointed me and filled me with his spirit to speak infallibly the word of God. No preacher can say those things. Now, a preacher can say in a secondary sense, if my sermon is faithful to the gospel, then to receive my words is to receive Christ. But not in the same sense as Paul said it. Because Paul, chosen by Christ and inspired by the Holy Spirit, everything he wrote and everything he said while he was under the authority of the Holy Spirit was incapable of error. It was the word of God and nothing else. Every thought he expressed, every word he used to express those thoughts while under the influence and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was the veritable word of the living God himself in the words of God. So Paul is saying, Timothy, you tell them an apostle told you to say this. You tell them Christ told you to do these things through the mouth of his apostle. Then he goes further. He said, not only am I an apostle, but my being an apostle and being at the foundation of the church and being a vehicle of revelation is according to the order and commandment of God himself. So to reject the Spirit-inspired word of a holy apostle is to reject the word of God, our Savior. By the way, the word Savior is not used very often, actually, in the New Testament, except in First and Second Timothy and Titus. And there it's used several times, and we'll get back to this and talk about it another day. But Paul says, not only am I an apostle, According to the commandment of God, our Savior, but also according to Jesus or to Christ Jesus, who is our hope. We have no hope apart from him, you know. We have no hope for the future and no hope for eternity apart from Christ. And notice how those are linked together. Paul is always linking God the Father and Jesus Christ on an equal basis. Because they are equal. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory, for Jesus Christ is God himself. And God saves sinners through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then there is another reason Paul identifies himself as an apostle by the order of God. And that is to tell us that since the apostles and the prophets with Christ being the chief cornerstone or the foundation for the church, uh, this book of 1 Timothy is for us. Therefore, this is Christ's word to you and I, the church. It's not just to Timothy, but it is to God's people down through their generations. And what a book this is 
do we ever need this book in the first part of the 21st century? It is critically important to our age. In the first section, which is the first 20 verses, you have Paul's introductory words, Timothy's task. Paul's outline of his own experience of the gospel, and Paul's urging Timothy to keep the faith. Then in chapter 2 through chapter 4, we have regulations for church worship and order. And he deals with things like public prayer, women in worship, qualifications for elders and deacons, the character of the church, and threats to the safety of the church. And how much do we need to hear those things today? Then the next section is chapter 5. And there you see regulations for church discipline. How to rebuke elders. How to minister to widows. How to hold elders accountable. And in the last chapter, chapter 6, we have various miscellaneous exhortations. What do you do with false teachers? The issue of slaves and masters the perils of wealth, the aims and the goals of the man of God, wealthy men, and a final admonition to guard the treasure of true faith. So you see how critically important this book is to the church in the 21st century, just as much so as it was in the first century. And now let's see what Paul says to young Timothy. This sets the stage for the rest of the book. Verse 2. Timothy, my true child in the faith. Now, we already read a passage where Paul said, I see him as my own child. He wasn't physically the child of Paul, but he is or was the spiritual child of Paul. To Timothy, my true child in faith. Many of us often speak of our father in the faith. I speak of the man who led me to Christ as my father in the faith. So here Paul is speaking of Timothy as his true child in the faith. He has trained Timothy to lead. He's brought him up in the faith. So he is true. Timothy is authentic. He is genuine. He is the real thing. He's not a hypocrite. He is a true son. Now, to call Timothy my true child in the faith not only implies that he assisted Timothy uh, to become bold in the faith, but it also implies affection. I love him like I love my own child. And he says, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ, the Lord, Jesus, our Lord. And then in verse 3, As I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. Now, to to say remain on, what does that suggest to you? Well, I hope it suggests that he didn't just say remain in Ephesus. He said remain on at Ephesus, which suggests that Paul had been with him at Ephesus. And that they had been ministering together in this church at Ephesus. Now it's interesting to note that there in Ephesus was the temple of the goddess Diana. And it was huge. And it had 60 gigantic black marble pillars. And God wiped that temple off the face of the earth. 
It sank in a swamp, and it was dismantled by Christians. And the only thing left there of that temple is one half of a broken pillar. Most of the other pillars remaining from the temple are in Istanbul, in the great church of holy wisdom, in their sanctuary. So, Christians took dominion of those massive black pillars erected by a pagan goddess. Now, Paul had apparently been serving in Ephesus with Timothy, and now he's going to Macedonia, and he says, Timothy, I want you to stay on there at Ephesus, and here's what I want you to do. Here is why I want you to go, why I don't want you to go with me. Stay there in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. And the word strange there is better translated different. I want you to teach and correct certain men in the church there in Ephesus that are teaching different gospels, different doctrines than what I taught them. Now, Paul's not being arrogant here. Paul is not being proud. He didn't think up any of these doctrines he, he held to. They were all revealed to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. So in rejecting Paul's doctrines, one is rejecting Christ's doctrines. So he says, Timothy, I want you to stay there. Oh, it's going to be a hard job. You're going to need God's mercy. You're going to need God's grace. And a lot of people will be mad at you, Timothy. But I want you to stay there and teach certain men in the church not to teach strange doctrines. Now, he said certain men. He didn't name anyone there. So people say, when you criticize people from the pulpit publicly, you should not use names. Because Paul didn't use names. He simply said certain people. Well, anyone who says that has not read the rest of the book of 1 Timothy. Look at verse 20. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. So sometimes it is important to mention names from the pulpit of people you want to warn your congregation about. So he said, Timothy, I want you to correct these people who are teaching different doctrines than you have learned from me. Now, what were these doctrines? And this is fairly interesting. It doesn't say they were denying any of the doctrines of the gospel. It doesn't say there were heretics or false teachers in the sense that they were teaching another gospel, that they were teaching things contrary to what the gospel taught. And remember what Paul said in Galatians at the beginning where he was criticizing people that were teaching a different gospel, different things than what the gospel taught of salvation by faith alone. He said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and following, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are distributing, disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we had preached to you, he is to be accursed. And if you didn't hear me then, so I say again to you, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. So they weren't like these Galatian heretics. They weren't teaching another gospel. They were adding strange things to the gospel. They were adding different things to what Paul delivered to them. It was not a matter of subtraction. It was a matter of addition. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.